0: Welcome, everyone, to Sea road at Home, at Work, at Play, wherever you are today. We're so thankful that you're connected with us in this way. Welcome to the year of 2021. It's the first Sunday. Many of you, including myself, are excited about the new year, the new possibilities, everything that might take shape in this upcoming season. And the start of the new year means also a start of a brand new series. Over the next 12 weeks, we're going to dive into a series we're calling short stories. Now you might be thinking, why would we talk about a a series of short stories in this next season when there seems to be so many other things that we can talk about in a variety of ways? Well, one of the main reasons that we're digging into this series of short stories is we want to learn from Jesus. And Jesus was a master storyteller. In fact, you've heard from Don just a little bit before this talk that one of the greatest parts of a story, what makes a story great, is a great plot, a story, a, a line, a sequence of events that you can follow through on and be captivated by. And Jesus, as I said, was a master at weaving this into the stories that he shared. Now, beyond just that, the, this whole theme of story saturates the entire Bible. It's one big meta narrative, overarching story. In fact, it started in a sequence of literary forms called oral tradition, where from generation to generation, these stories were handed down from one group to another and told and retold and told and retold so that the entire community was fully aware of this unfolding meta narrative. And then we get to a guy named Moses who is actually the first scribe to write down these stories, and we get the first few books of the Bible from his handiwork as he was empowered by God's presence to uh, write and make note of all of that stuff. The Bible itself is comprised of three primary literary forms. It is 43% narrative, it is 33% poetry, and it's 24% prose discourse. That's one of the many reasons why we're digging into this theme of stories and learning from the life of Jesus. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me right now to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at the very first story, also called a parable that Jesus told. I'm going to be reading for you from the New Living Translation, the first eight verses, uh, actually starting in verse number three. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. So for the first story that Jesus tells this group of people that are listening to him, he tells a story about farming. Of all the things that he could talk about, he chooses to talk about farming. One of the many reasons why is the culture in which he lived in this moment in time where he first told this story was an agrarian culture, a farming culture. So people would have been very used to the whole idea of planting seeds. Now, when we think about farming today, it's very different than farming back in Jesus' time period. Farming today, when we're planting stuff, we got machinery to do a lot of the heavy lifting for us. But in Jesus' day, it was all done by hand. In fact, I think the closest thing that I can picture in my mind to what that might have been like is if you're seeding a lawn or reseeding a lawn, if you've got some some spots that need to be filled in at your home or wherever you are playing with lawn seed. And as you're scattering the seed using a spreader or by hand, you might kind of identify with what Jesus is talking about. You've got a couple of roles that he highlights. He highlights this role of a farmer. He highlights a role of a grower, and then he talks about four different types of soils. We're going to get into all of those together. Let's first talk about that role of the farmer. As I shared, that would have been a hands-on experience where this farmer was literally casting seed wherever he went or she went by hand. It would have been machines involved. It would have been personal and intentional. And this farmer would have been fully aware that every seed that he or she was scattering was not going to necessarily germinate into a plant. Now, you and I need to be reminded of that. As ambassadors of Jesus, when we have a relationship with Christ, our job and our responsibility is to scatter seed, hope, love, life, wherever we go. But all the seed that we scatter isn't necessarily going to germinate and produce fruit over time. Yet our job as the farmer in this story that Jesus is telling is simply to scatter the seed. See, the farmer's job is not to make the seed grow. That's the grower's job. Now, in our day and age today, we have kind of used our scientific advances to try and do some jobs that aren't actually our roles to play. We use greenhouses so that we can mitigate the irrigation and sunshine and temperature to make plants grow and try and manipulate nature to benefit us in some way. We can grow year-round things of that nature. But that wasn't the way the world was designed or the role that we were invited to play. We were invited simply to play the role of the farmer, of the person that scatters seed. See, this farming analogy, Jesus is talking about working with people. In fact, if you read on later in this chapter, Matthew 13, you're going to find Jesus unpack this whole reality with his team of friends, his disciples, in a little more intentional and private way, where he explains to them that the seed that the farmer is scattering is actually the gospel, the, the message of the kingdom, the hope of life, the hope of the world. And he talks about the reality that not everybody that has seeds scattered in them, among them, or around them is actually going to in season or at that time, respond to what is being shared with them. See, you and I have a responsibility as a farmer simply to scatter the seed, not to make sure that the seed grows. That's the grower's job. The grower's job is to make sure that that seed is watered, nurtured, has the right environment for which it, it succeeds and it grows and it develops into maturity. That's the difference between our role and God's role in the terms of loving people. You and I are called to love people right where they are, right when they are, their mess, their chaos, their beauty, all of it rolled into one. We have the opportunity to love them through our words and through our actions. Our responsibility isn't to help grow them to become like Jesus. Yes, we're called to make disciples, we do that, by being a living example, creating other followers of Jesus by being a living example of what it means to follow Christ on a daily basis. But you and I aren't responsible to do things that are actually meant for the role of God's presence or the Holy Spirit. See, you and I aren't responsible to convict people of sin, people who don't know God. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to scatter the seeds of truth and hope and life into their life. And when we do that, it's the grower's responsibility. It's the responsibility of the presence of God to bring that seed to maturity. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I find myself working against what God is doing in somebody's life than working with what God is wanting to do in somebody's life, even in my own life. I think I've got a better idea, I've got a better plan, I'm the farmer, I know best, I'm going to make this happen. And instead, I have to submit to the process of what it means to farm and grow. If you talk to a farmer, it's one of the most faith-filled vocations, I think, that is available on our planet. Because you are hoping, as you're investing that seed into the ground, that you're going to get a harvest in time and in season. It's the same thing where you choose to love people. We're hoping, we're hoping that in time and in season, there will be a harvest, a harvest filled with hope and life and joy and peace and kindness and grace and gentleness and so much more. But that harvest isn't up to the farmer, it's up to the grower. Jesus then transitions and he talks about four types of soil that the seed interacts with. He talks about this soil on the footpath, this hardened soil. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you've seen footpaths worn in the dirt or in the grass. I'm reminded of actually the University of Calgary. On their campus, they have beautiful sidewalks all over the place. But did you know that we as people don't always walk on the sidewalk? We take the shortest point between two points. We go the shortest distance. And sometimes that means we walk wherever we want to walk right through the middle of a garden or a green space of some kind. And as more people walk on that same path, it gets worn down to the point where not even weeds will grow in that hardened soil. And sometimes the people that we interact with are like that hardened soil. feels like nothing that we do to love them or invest in them is actually growing and germinating joy or anything for the sake of God's kingdom. But again, our responsibility is simply to scatter the seed. It's not to make sure that that seed nurtures itself and grows itself over time. That's the responsibility of the grower, the person that we are partnering with, God's presence, the Holy Spirit. Then he talks about a second soil. He talks about this shallow soil that has a little bit of rock underneath. Some people call it the rocky soil. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Canadian shield where you have great fertile soil that that isn't super deep. And depending on the plant structure and what happens, you can instantly see things spring up to life right away. But when the the elements of nature come, the, the heat of the day, the wind, the chaos, other things, predators that are feeding on this plant, soon this plant shows that it's not very resilient. And one of the reasons this plant isn't very resilient or that person isn't very resilient if they spring up to life right away and then their roots don't go deep is because they're not connected into community. See, you and I are designed to grow in community. We have a responsibility to love one another. And we can't love one another unless we're connected to other people. And even in a season where we're physically distanced from one another, where we're isolated, where we're more digitally connected than personally, relationally connected in a face-to-face way. We have the responsibility and opportunity to prioritize being connected to community. If you're feeling like you're withering, like you're drying up, like you're dying a slow death over time, I'm gonna challenge you. Are you connected to community? Are you connected to Jesus? And are you connected to community? Are you prioritizing that? In fact, over this series, what we're gonna invite each of you to do is make sure that over your family table, in your, with your roommates, your extended small group of some kind, that you prioritize connecting with community. Make it a habit and a discipline. Allow it to saturate your calendar and invest the time that you need in order to ensure that you grow. You grow into full maturity with Jesus and with others over time. He talks about a third soil where the seed gets scattered into a bunch of weeds areas and thorns kind of grow up and they choke out the plant. And this young, vibrant plant that has much to offer dies over time because it gets choked out by everything around them. He's referring to the influences that you and I allow into our lives. Who are we listening to? Who are we allowing to invest in us? Who are we following and learning from? And are those influences ones that point us and grow us and inspire us to let Jesus develop us to the fullest that he desires to? Or are they lies? Are they distractions? Are they things that put us in a place where death actually occurs instead of life? Think about it for a moment. If somebody in your world likes a certain Uh, food item. Let's talk about pineapple. I actually dislike pineapple, but my kids love pineapple. And no matter how hard I have tried to convince them otherwise, that pineapple is villainous. Pineapple is disgusting. It does not belong in a palate of anybody or on anything, especially pizza. It's the worst. The thing is, the truth is that pineapple is actually nourishment. It's good for you, if you enjoy eating it. And so my kids have allowed that lie that I've tried to tell, (laughs) haven't allowed it to choke out the truth that pineapple's actually good. pineapple is tasty. Pineapple is worth it in their minds. Now, I still don't participate in eating pineapple because I just don't enjoy it. But my kids have been able to stand steadfast, be resilient to stand against that, that untruth, and realize that this food is actually good for them. That seems like a watered down or basic example of what Jesus is pointing at here, but the the principle applies. You and I have a variety of influences from from wealth to uh, information all over the place, a variety of different teaching, different learnings, social media, you get it, that bombards us every single day. And what we allow to influence what we think about life, about people, about Jesus, about even COVID, shapes our way forward. Are the things that we're permitting in our lives choking the life out of us? Are they actually helping us grow and develop over time in conjunction with the Holy Spirit? The fourth soil that Jesus refers to is this fertile soil where the seed just germinates and springs to life and develops a 30, 60, and even 100-fold harvest out of one seed. That speaks to you and I. The hope that Jesus has for us, that we would intentionally allow him to invest in us. The hope of the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom that is meant to reshape all of what we know, think, see, or do. The kingdom of heaven, the true kingdom that is supposed to influence our world and become the kingdom of the world. Not anything less than that. And you and I, when we allow God to have his way with us, become like the seed in that fourth soil and we grow up and we develop a harvest over time within us and around us, as we invest our health, our life, our fruit into the people that God places in our path. Now, the challenge for you and I is this. The challenge is that we can easily spot people who fit in one of these categories, the people that seem closed off and hardened and don't want anything to do with what we have to share with them about the message of Jesus, Uh, the people that spring up really quickly and then die over time because a set of circumstances has caused them to rethink or reevaluate this whole following Jesus thing. Uh, The people that get stuck or trapped in their heart or in their mind, their emotions are distracting, or all of their, their head knowledge is distracting and they can't rationalize what it means to be a person of faith. And the people that are fertile, the people that are growing, the people that are becoming mature in Christ over time, maybe we can easily slot people into those categories. But can we? examine our own lives and look at are there any spaces that reflect other soils other than that fertile soil in our own life for example if god is saying to something to you like i need you to forgive somebody in your past and you're holding on to it and saying there is no way that i'm going to do that you're responding like a seed in that first soil hardened unwilling to grow And what God wants to do in you and through you is limited by that reality. Or maybe, maybe you're like that second soil. Maybe I'm like that second soil where I get this good idea and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to read the Bible every day or I'm going to memorize scripture or I'm going to make community a priority. And then over time, we just give up. It's too hard. We've been hurt one too many times. Somebody said something about us that just wasn't true. And now we're like, we don't ever want to connect with that person again. But maybe we have to do the hard work of developing resilience and allowing God to move us, in us, and through us for the sake of His hope and glory. Or maybe we're like the third soil at times where we let other influences, what people think, what people are saying, choke the life out of us, choke the hope out of us, choke the the joy out of us. See, these soils don't only represent individual people. They can also represent different pieces of our lives. And our lives are supposed to be a reflection of that fourth type of soil. Fertile, developing a harvest that's 30, 60, and 100 times fold of what is being invested in us. Let me ask you and let me ask me this simple question. With what Jesus is investing in us right now, is it developing fruit for his kingdom, or is it developing something else? Are we allowing Jesus to have his way in us, through us, and around us in whatever capacity he so desires, or are we giving him boundaries with, within which to function? See, following Jesus means being radical. It means being sold out. It means being willing to allow him to do whatever he wants whenever he wants, wherever he wants with our lives. Our lives are not our own when we surrender to Jesus. And the cool thing about him is that he lovingly invites us even to the hard things of changing our minds or changing our hearts about something or about someone. The truth about this short story is that you and I need to be reminded that we are all a work in progress. We're all growing to varying degrees and we need to prioritize allowing Jesus to grow us. So are you somebody that's going to invest, invest in people, making community a priority, allowing Jesus to shape you with his hope, his life and his truth whenever he wants, wherever he wants, however he wants? Or are you going to resist what he wants to do in your life and through your life. My hope and prayer as we start this brand new year is that we would be a people of hope, a people of peace, a people who are willing to allow God to do whatever he wants in us, through us and around us so that he could develop a harvest in us and around us for the sake of his name and his kingdom. What better way to end this kind of talk than going to a time of communion. A time of communion that reminds us that Jesus intentionally invested in you and I by offering his life in place for our lives. So if you've got some elements around you, a piece of bread or something of that nature, even a cracker would do, some juice, some water, whatever you have around you, would you get ready to participate in this experience with me? Jesus on the night before he was betrayed, was gathered together with a group of his friends. They were eating dinner. And during dinner, he grabbed some bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is a symbol of my body. When you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. As we eat the bread that you have prepared, may we be reminded of God's goodness, God's investment, and God's hope that he is investing in us. Every single day, let's eat together. In that same meal, there was a cup of wine that Jesus grabbed and he said, this wine represents my blood. It's poured out for you. So whatever liquid you've got available with you, some juice, some water, would would you grab it? Would you take it? Would you be reminded that Jesus gave everything to invest in you, everything, so that you and I could have life to the full and give that gift of life to the people around us by the way we choose to live in our words and interactions. Let's drink together in remembrance and receive the hope that Jesus gives. My hope and prayer is that you would allow Christ to be king of your life in every single facet. Each one of us would be like that fertile soil in every moment, in every way, as we parent, as we live, as we work, as we play, as we grandparent, as we friend, as we neighbor, would our lives be so fertile, so inviting, so inspiring that the people around us, whether they are hardened soil, whether they are rocky soil, or whether they're filled with weeds, would be willing to change over time. And allow God to reshape them and inspire them to become who he's created them to be. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful for the truth of your word that reminds us that there is hope and life rooted in you. If there's anybody that's joining us today that does not yet know you as Savior and Lord and King, I pray that you would would have been speaking to them through this message of hope and truth that you would have allowed them to experience you in a deep and meaningful way. And God, if there's any questions in their brain that are rattling around that just need to be answered, that they would have found an answer that satisfied, satisfies their curiosity, that answer rooted in you. God, I pray that you would allow us to be a people of hope and peace wherever you have planted us, that we would grow into full maturity by the power of your Holy Spirit, your presence, Father, so that we can inspire the community around us, the people around us, to choose life in you at all times, in all ways. Father, would you forgive us for when we resist what you want to do in us and through us. Would you give us the courage that we need to be resilient and steadfast in you? Would you give us the wisdom to know what is true and what is a lie and the courage to embrace truth over anything that is less than that? God, we thank you for who you are, for how you invest in us, and for what you invite us into. May you continue to bless us each and every day so that we can be a blessing to those around us. We pray this in your name, amen. God bless everyone. Remember, we love you and we're praying for you.